Episode 45 of the Coys R Us podcast. We've got the whole crew back from vacation. I was in the Bahamas. Jesse was frolicking around Europe with his family, but we're all back now. Talk a little Tottenham. Uh, not so much has happened, <laughs> but still feels like a lot has happened since we last recorded. So figured now would be a good time before it all hits the fan uh, to kind of talk about the state of the club the state of our off season and figure out exactly what we expect and what we want to happen moving forward. We've been avoiding this for a while now, I guess um, for the past few episodes, Ben actually brought this up last time we recorded and I kind of brushed him off. Cause I was like, you know what? These stupid rumors about from Bayern going for Kane is that's not really going to happen. I don't even think it's worth addressing. And the rumors have consisted and persisted. Uh, they've come in with two bids now, I believe, that have been turned down. They're now coming back for a third, I believe. There was the whole stupid German journalist who had a Kane Bayern shirt at Postacoglu's press conference, who's now been That's embarrassing though, seriously. What if what is that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know what that is. Maybe we could start there. I mean he, I mean, he addressed it really well. I thought he handled it in a really great way. And apparently that journalist, I don't know if the journalist himself or the publication altogether uh, has been like banned from ever attending any more Spurs uh, press, pressers. But that has to be like the tabloid one of them. I don't even know who it was, actually. I didn't build or vile. I'm not sure how to say it. But yeah, everybody in the everybody seemed like it was not a uh, not a very. Um, you know, reputable uh, yes. <laughs> top shelf kind of outlet. I mean, the the person who's been like spouting all of these rumors from like Germany, the name that I kept seeing, and he's like in a he's like a writer for that publication. His name on Twitter is C F Byron, and I'm like, he's impartial. Come on, obviously. <laughs> come on, <laughs> like let's Fair try to be objective. A little bit. <laughs> that they're, they're like they're not even quite to the level of Fox News in uh, Germany. Oh, fascinating though. You know who owns them is Daniel uh, Murdoch. Is <laughs> Rupert Murdoch? No, but um, uh, Axel Springer Group, which owns uh, uh, American fans, uh, American listeners may be familiar with um, Business Insider. Oh wow, an insider and Politico. Um, so a bunch of different uh, outlets in and uh, across Europe, but as well as uh, gotten into uh, gotten into American media as well. But yeah, lowercase on the journalist, not a big J journalist by any stretch. There, it's a clown move. Um, and I, yeah, I thought Ange handled it very well. What was even the objective? Like, what was what was he hoping to get out of that move in the first? I guess he was just trying to. I mean, I don't see us anything other than that create a story for himself yeah trying to get a rise out of Ange. trying to get yeah create a story like you said it's it's just trying to make yourself uh the center of attention yeah i would guess like his his dream scenario is Ange goes on a rant yeah Ange flips out or or someone like physically removes him or you know he was trying to get Ange to pull a contact yeah can you imagine I feel like that shit would work on him. Someone pulling a move like that with Conte as our coach, he probably would have gotten exactly what he was looking for. Yeah. 
honestly. I do feel like he's created. I mean, it's obviously very early. We haven't even started the season yet, but thus far, he's he's really created a pretty solid reputation amongst the fan base. It feels like the fans are on board for the most part. I, I really haven't seen anything negative about him. That's uh, the thing, the so sense far. of calmness and kind of just positivity that he, he brings to this after three years of just negativity and um, just it being all over the place, right? Just the, it just being a, um, like a telenovela as Spurs <laughs> three seasons. I mean, you could see that with the Amazon doc, you could see that with every Conte and Jose presser, but we've gone from being like just a drama queen of a club to just lay back. Let's get the work done. Let's, let's show it on the field and that's it. You know? Yeah. So with the Kane thing, at this point, like I know we talked about this at the end of the season, whether we thought he would stay, whether we thought he would leave. Obviously, fans want him to stay for obvious reasons. We want to see him continue to play in a Spurs shirt. But does it make sense to keep him at this point? Uh, what are you guys hoping to see out of this situation? Would it be better for Spurs to actually just sell him at this point? Where Where are you guys landing on it right now? Honestly, I'm still kind of like on the fence about what I think we should do. Like, I see the merits in both camps of like, I see where like keeping him. I mean, it's like, I feel like it's more of an emotional thing than it is like an actual um, like thing I think we should do. Like, I think emotionally, like having your, you know, the best player in Tottenham history, we can say that like, it's not, it's not a thing. Like we all can say that that's the best player we've ever had at this club. Like seeing him go to another club is going to be a hard thing to do. Um, I think I would probably, I'm probably like 60% like sell him because I mean, I'd prefer us to know where he goes instead of like, you know, he's able into it in a year just to leave and literally go anywhere. And frankly, I don't want to see him line up for another Premier League team. So I'd rather us sell him and get him out of the Premier League. I like and I I don't want to see him playing for Chelsea. I don't want to see him playing for Man United. I don't want to see him playing for City. Like I don't want to see any of that. So, get him out getting get him out of Premier League if if selling him now is going to do, be the thing that does that. If we're going to get a team to offer us enough, like over 100 mil, 100 million pounds, I should say, then I think we should sell him. So yeah, I guess I now fall on the sell Kane side. Uh, as Damn, I as just, I talk this over. Just what a roller coaster. Just talked yourself into sell. I did. I did talk myself. Well, let's play that out, though. If we sell him to, say, Bayern, for example. You know, like what stops him from joining a Chelsea or a United, you know, in a year or two? A contract Um, with Bayern. I don't think Bayern is going to pay 100 million pounds for him and then sign it to anything less than a three year deal. I can't see that. I mean, not that he couldn't get sold on in a year or two, but that would be probably after a disappointment at Bayern, I would assume if he's doing well there, I can't imagine him wanting to sell him unless he hates it, forces a transfer and it just happens. But yeah, now I think I agree with Kimmy actually pretty much on all points. <laughs> she, she like talked herself into it in the same way that she talked me into it. I might've talked myself into it as I was speaking, just like she did, because I feel like, yes, it would be nice to get the money. Yes. I would love to have another year of Kane. But the main thing is being able to control where he goes. I, I'm, I'm worried that if we don't sell him to Bayern, he'll end up in another Premier League 
club. Like I just can't see him going to Bayern by choice. If he goes to Madrid, I'd be fine with that. Madrid and and Bayern are essentially the same thing as far as I'm concerned. Um, but he could team up with Mbappe. Imagine that. I mean, I think it would be better for him. Mbappe to go to Madrid, said he'd rather sit out the whole year as far as PSG. So maybe Mbappe's well, now he's, uh, not going to do anything. Now he's going to. If you read the stuff, that they're apparently going to spend a billion dollars to bring him to the Saudi league for one year. They're, they're going to pay three hundred million. Plus oh yeah, that's as a that's, transfer fee for one year, and then give him seven hundred million plus. That's for been one all, year, and let him go to Madrid. That's been the biggest story in sports for the past twenty four yeah. hours. Um, that's uh, bonkers. Well, the the whole idea there though is the fact that it's all but understood that he's going to be a Real player in twenty twenty four. So yeah. in theory. You know, if if we kept Kane for a year and he left to go to Real, which again, I this is completely speculative, but can you imagine him playing center forward with like Mbappe as his left winger? Like <laughs> that would, I would, I wouldn't mind watching it as long as they're not in Premier League. I mean, that would be, right. <laughs> be fun for that's me to watch. Objective. That's why overall, I, I, overall, I think Kim's right just because of that though. It's controlling more of where he goes. Yeah. Um, if he's open to a move to. Uh, to uh, to Munich, I think that we should probably facilitate that. Yes, I would love to have one more year of him at the club, but especially after Poach going to to Chelsea, maybe we're a little uh, a little uh, sensitive to our club legends moving to especially rivals, but Premier League teams at all. Um, yeah, I don't see worried, Kane doing that. Worried. I mean, like even if he were to go on a, so. on a free, like Poach is one. I really didn't think Poach would do that though either. So yeah, but Poach was here for for five great years Kane is uh one of our own and has been there since he was 12 or whatever so it's a little bit different I think that definitely um, different you know poach doing it versus like uh versus Kane you know that kind of a situation obviously both you know both of the, the uh, Spurs is the club that both of those guys became you know the the legendary status or the the, the top of their field um, or among the top of their field that they that they're known as today, but it's a little bit different. So I'm just dumb. I think I, I I'd rather not sell, um, and uh, and see um, and see what happens. Uh, this, <clears throat> I mean, if the price is right, then sell. But like, uh, if they keep you know um, doing what City was a couple of years ago and trying to get them on a on a discount, well, what's then, the right then, price you know, though? Then what's your, your um. I mean, I guess like a hundred, if that's what the, the, the rumor is, um, you know, a hundred would be, if that's what we want. And I think then that that's it. I mean, everybody's got a price there is, and I don't think that Kane owes it to Spurs whatsoever to, to give yet another manager a chance to try and see if that thing works, especially as he's now 30 years old. So I'm not saying I want Kane to stay because he owes it to us or anything like that. He absolutely can can leave um, where and go wherever he wants now, or or run out of his contract and and uh, and do a year some you know and then go on a free and completely pick wherever he wants to go. So, you know, obviously it's a it's a rapidly depreciating asset when he only has one year left in his deal. Um, but you know, uh, just uh, my heart would love to see him give it, you know, at least until January, not that I'm expecting it's like, Oh, well, if we're not top of the table by several points in January, but just like, does he like playing for Ange? Is he looking like, is the system fitting him? Well, does he feel like something good is, is happening and building there? I think the other part of it too, that you just get into, and, and this is really only true in 
in soccer because of of how many leagues there are at the top level and how many um trophies there are available um that like if he goes to Byron, Byron's going to win the league with or without Kane. So yes, he would absolutely get a, a, a long awaited and long de- and well-deserved trophy, but it's sort of like the same kind of thing when he was leaving to go to city, like you're going to win a bunch of stuff anyway, with, with or without you. So it's like, you know, do you want to be a main reason, a main catalyst for that, especially here? Or is it, is it, is it important? And I'm not saying that it's, that it, it's bad thing if it is, but it's like, you could go, if you go to Madrid, you go to Byron, you're going to win a bunch of stuff without you or with you. So it's, you know, being in a place here, that's, I mean, I don't know. I'd like to say, well, we can't win a trophy without Kane. We haven't won one with him. So maybe, maybe the Ewing theory is, uh, is, is in effect there, but um, I will, yeah, I, I'm talking myself into just, just let's see what big Ange can do. Harry, give us, give us till January. Well, I think a couple things from what you just said there. Number one, the idea that he would wait another half season and kind of see what happens. It's very possible that he'd fall in love with the system, but even if he did, it, it would be a little counterintuitive, I think for him to then convince himself to stick around for another iteration of Spurs football, seeing what's already taken place over the past, what has it been, nine years uh, since he's been in the first team? And so, like, if he's reached a point at age 30 where he's like, you know, we fought for the title, we finished second, we got to the Champions League final, we finished second, and it's pretty much been a decline since then. We've continued to, with the with the exception of that one fourth-place finish a year ago, it's been a pretty steady decline, um, really capped off with us finishing eighth last season. So, like, I don't know any logical reason, even if we did, you know, go into Boxing Day in the top four. Like, is that going to be enough for him to be like, all right, let's let's keep this ride going for another two or three seasons? And if he did, that might be a little bit illogical for him. I think the other thing that you were talking about is like this whole idea of him going to Bayern and like winning a championship with a team that wins championships. all the time. I mean, they've won like what eight in a row or something crazy like that. Like they pretty much win the Bundesliga every year. And I think there's like a larger conversation there that happens a lot. It's one of my most annoying things about sports conversation. Uh, this happens a lot, you know, in the NBA, especially when you talk about like who's better than who and you compare different careers. And it it always ends up in this conversation about like who's won the ring, you know, like this this whole hashtag rings conversation about like, well, this person won a championship. So that trumps this other person's career who may have contributed more to a losing team, but they don't necessarily get all the credit. And I think a lot of that has to do with sports media like i think sports media has brainwashed fans into believing that if you win a ring or a championship or a trophy your career is worth something and if you don't then your career's your career isn't worth shit mm-hmm. and i think it's a disservice to a lot of players across sports who have contributed a lot who have been great entertainment to fans 
you know, you think of like players like Allen Iverson in the NBA who like everybody loved. He was a cultural icon. He never won a championship, but everybody still rates him super high. And he seems like the one exception to the rule because for other guys in similar situations, they don't get that same credit. And I do wonder how much the punditry and the football chatter and banter has to do with players' own self-image of like their own careers, right? Like feeling that pressure. I think about Kevin Durant um, joining the team that beat him in the playoffs to win a few championships. And a lot of people had a lot to say about that, but it's like, you know, we kind of created that situation to happen by constantly saying that he wasn't good enough, that he yep. didn't win a championship, that his career wasn't going to be shit. And then he goes and gets the championship and we're like, oh, well, that doesn't really count. Well, we spent his whole career up to that point telling him that his career wouldn't be worth anything unless he won a ring. And I think Harry's in a similar situation now where it's like every time you turn on the TV or anytime you read an article, every football pundit is saying, well, you know, he has to leave Spurs. He has to leave Spurs because it's the only way he's going to win anything. And if he doesn't win anything, then his career is a waste and he scores all these goals and they don't mean anything. And it is like a load of crap to me, but I do wonder how much that plays into like their own understanding of their own careers. You know what I mean? Like how much that constant rumor mill, the banter from the fans, the pundits in the talking heads, like how much that influences players' actual decisions. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think what you're you're saying is right there. But I think what we also do a lot of the times is is a sports fan and media culture um, is we're constantly moving the goalposts. So it's like if King gets one, it's like, well, he's only he only won one. All those goals he couldn't he could he only win one title. And it, and it was when he was with uh, with Byron. So was he even that good or whatever? You know, like that kind of thing, because that's what we, we do that with KD as well. Well, yeah, he got a couple of rings, but. Zero without Steph. What has KD done post Steph and pre Steph? Like you know, a, a couple of Western Conference uh, appearances. So like, we're we're constantly doing that, and it's it's the the overall ring culture, silverware tro- culture, and and European football. I mean, it's definitely important. Obviously, you to quote Herm Edwards, you play to win the game, but it's not like you said the the be all and end all, and and especially in a sport like soccer where you know one player is in so much uh, less control than you know a basketball player where there's only four other uh, people on the court with them. Uh, it, it's just, yeah, it's really unfair on, on how much we take away from like outside of the Yankees, all of my teams lose. So I've got people like Mello and, and Patrick Ewing and, and my fanhood that are just like, Oh yep, Never, never did anything um, <clears throat> in terms of the NBA finals or, you know, Dan Marino is a Dolphins fan. And we also got to remember that sports players, athletes are also regular people. So they all have, they're all, people they have their own motivations and what i'm motivated by at my job is different than what some of my colleagues are motivated by in the same way that i believe the same thing's happening for people at uh and, and who play soccer and basketball and hockey and and uh, and american football professionally like some people are like yeah my career was success i took all the talent that i had and did this and scored these goals or, or reached these things and like didn't win a title, but like I had a great time, made a bunch of money and got to play a kid's a game for, you know, a good portion of my career. Other people are like, I'm going to be a complete failure if I don't win multiple championships, even if they're not the main reason. So 
none of us can get inside Harry's head to say for sure what, which, you know, what his uh, motivational personality factors are. I mean, I also think the rings conversation, it belittles the sport itself, right? Like I think at the end of the day, there's only going to be one team that wins the championship every year. And there's hundreds of games being played across leagues every day, hundreds of players that won't result in a championship. And to like drill everything down to like, did you win a ring or not? It almost like lacks appreciation for the sport itself. Like, is that the only reason we watch sport is just to see who wins? Because if that was the case, you might as well just watch the finals and not pay attention to the regular season. Like, it, it's almost like or just read the I, box I, scores and don't even watch the game like we're right, only concerned yeah. about the result like yeah i never got that and this is why like when we were at we we're talking about what would it take next season maybe we have a small club mentality quote unquote because we're, we're more concerned with enjoying the game and and seeing good competition and good level of play than necessarily just the result the whole like you'd be happy with the result if we got one nils throughout the whole season and we won even though we're grinding them out and barely winning parking the bus i I, I can understand wanting to win, obviously, but I think, Joel, you're completely right that just putting everything on wanting to win is is over the top. And, and it does take away from what the actual what the other parts of sportsmanship are and, and athletics in general competition is obviously a lot of it is just for the competition to win the game. But a lot of it is, is, you know, the um, like for one, just like leadership, team building, camaraderie, community, all those things we talked about, but then also just the pleasure of it for the enjoyment of the game, especially from a fan perspective, I already said this, but I can understand somebody in being a top level athlete, obviously feeling like their career isn't quite as complete as they would like it to be without a championship. But then again, if you were to, to do the KD thing, if pain is to just go to Bayern or go to city and get a championship, I mean, I guess in years, you know, in 10 years from now, 20 years from now, people won't look back and say, Oh, that was a paper title. You know, he, he, he didn't exactly win that himself, but I think Jesse, you would want to brought this up, especially in soccer. You can't just have a superstar carry a team. Even Messi isn't good enough to just completely carry a team of scrubs um so Ronaldo yeah, just got pumped in back-to-back games 5-0 and 4-1 against like tell that to Messi at Inter Miami he's going to carry those scrubs to something watch just watch yeah because they're playing against a bunch of other scrubs <laughs> everybody in the everybody in the whole league like not to not to downplay MLS too much but yeah and he the thing is that you need to have at least like three players, right? You need to have at least a good defender, a good facilitator, and then a good scorer at the very least. Then maybe you can have the rest of the scrubs. The only sport that you can really have one player dominate is basketball. And that's it. And even that sport is tough. Like you need to give him other good teammates to play with. But I mean, like you can't, you can't have a dominating pitcher do anything. I mean, look at the angels. They had, they basically had two of the best players in all of major league baseball for the past, what, five years now. And they have they even made the playoffs. Anyway, point being is that it sucks that we couldn't have done more for Kane during the prime of his career more than anything. It sucks that we couldn't have, especially for the past three years, we basically wasted the last three prime years of Sun and Kane. And that sucks. It sucks that we couldn't have to made the, the, the moves. I wouldn't blame Kane for wanting to move on, but I don't think ultimately he'll probably feel it changes that much i mean i could be wrong but i would think that the only way it changes something is if you win more organically or else 
what's the difference between not winning a championship at all or winning a championship that you kind of know deep down that, you know, you contributed to, yes, but any more than, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to give any specific examples, but just some some 11th, 12th player on City last year, whatever, you know. I mean, like if Kane goes to City and they win a championship, but they have not won that if Kane was not there. Right. Doubtful, but. I think the last thing I'll say about the whole championship or bust thing is Kane has had opportunities to win trophies with Spurs. Like we've had semifinals galore. We had that one big final that he started in that maybe he shouldn't have. And, you know, to be frank, he hasn't really performed all that well in those opportunities. I mean, it, it's tough to say we haven't put him in a position to win. Is, the, is Kane not clutch? Is this that discussion? New York sports radio. Style? <laughs> I mean, yeah, nobody in the team. We what are we, we looked. We did this several episodes ago. I think we'd scored one goal in like the last five or six finals it, slash semifinals. I guess the real point I'm saying is just like it isn't as if he hasn't had opportunities, and then like you know we just couldn't get to finals, we couldn't get to semis, and. Those opportunities came, he played, and we didn't win. So I don't yeah, know no. that like him staying at Spurs or not staying at Spurs is going to make a significant difference in our ability to win trophies because we haven't been able to do it for the past nine years that he's been playing for us. And so like I maybe that's a fair point. What no, I was just gonna say, like, maybe there might be an opportunity for us to try to like galvanize more of a team effort without us having a superstar running in the middle for us. I mean, I know that that sounds outrageous that we would be able to perform better without the best player in the club's history. But I do think that there might be a little bit more effort put in by some of the other guys when they know that they don't just have someone that they can rely on. And then if he doesn't play well, then the whole team just kind of falls apart. I don't know. But I would yes, also like say, like, I like what, what you guys said. I do feel like the club like let him down since 2019. Like it's been almost four years of like us just kind of going in circles, hiring the wrong managers, not signing players when we need them. Like some of that I know was due to COVID, but like a lot of those those semifinals all took place pretty much before 2019. It's yeah, we've had what one final since then, I think, and yeah, that was the, yeah, the one we fired one. Jose right before. So it's yeah. not like we've been in a position in like the last three years to even be close to winning trophies. Like we had one chance, and even then, we kind of knew we were not going to win that game. So I, I get that that argument, but I also feel like there's been a lot that that's happened since we've been in that position to win trophies, and that to me is the stuff that like, if I was Kane, I'd be like. Yeah, this is a reason to leave. Like I I even now we we can't sign a center back. We know we need them. And we can't we, we haven't been able to sign them. And it's like that's the kind of stuff that if he was at Bayern, they would just I mean, they're haggling over him, but in general, the teams in in Germany just like roll over for them. They're used to getting who they want. They buy who they want and, and especially in country. So, he'll be in a better position where he probably feels like they're actually going to invest in the club in a way that is fruitful. Um, so yeah, I, and the whole rings conversation, like I'm definitely not a rings or bust kind of person. And I feel like when you do that, you do devalue the rest of what 
the sport is. And I just don't under I like I I get why people feel that way, but to me, the the building of a team, the seeing a team grow, that is a lot of fun. And if if a team then wins on the other side of that, it's even more fun. Um, but I spend a lot of my sports fandom like enjoying the development of my teams and I've always been that person um so for me like seeing my team develop seeing my team get better and yeah expectations matter is is fun expectations expectation is also like it's like the thief of joy like but I think it also can be the creator of joy like this next season the next season was a success we found out Jalen Brunson is a star we got Julius Randle back to to all NBA level um, quickly developed all that stuff. It's not a Knicks podcast, but the Knicks finished in the top eight of the 30 teams in the NBA. Ring culture would tell you the season was not a success. The season was a failure. Now, when you're looking at the Knicks, how the season ended, getting to play an eight seed, having home court advantage with a chance to go to the Eastern Conference Finals, that was a bummer. But like when you look at the totality of it, the Knicks obviously didn't win a ring, win a ring this year, but this was a the most successful Knicks season probably since 99 because of the what you're talking about, Kim, the development, the same thing can happen in, in, uh, in, in soccer and, uh, for Spurs and those kind of things that still be successful without shiny things at the end. Which is like you said, watch, watching a young team, uh, develop is, is definitely, that's, it's way more fun to watch that to watch a young team develop into a mediocre to above average team than just to have a mediocre team. Um, it, it adds a little extra and, and they seem to be hungry for it and have a, a different style of play usually just because they're going to be a little bit freer playing. Um, but really, really quickly, just to Joel, what you were saying earlier about Kane having opportunities. And I don't disagree with that. Uh, he has had opportunities and he hasn't necessarily come through, but the thing, and I think Kim was kind of alluding to this, with him if he were to go to Bayern, but the teams, the, the the players that play for these top, top teams, they don't get a chance every two to three years to make something happen. They get one final. If they don't make, they don't cash that in, it's out. You know, it's just a small sample size. The dudes on Man City get to compete for four trophies every single season because of who their teammates are, not just because of who they are. So I can, I can imagine being completely jealous of that. Just if you're going to another team because of that, it's not organic. And I know it's it's unfair to him. It reminds me, again, like how Spurs can spend a lot of money on a transfer, just like some of the big teams can. But if we if that transfer is a bust, we're screwed. We can't just, like, reinvest that money. Chelsea can do that with five players a season. We can do it with one. Davinson Sanchez, yeah, Tangy and Dumbele. But Chelsea's got way more failures. Uh, I mean, look at a, a bunch of the players they've signed have been failures just that they can – they can sign five to 10 of them, or that's the way it was in the past. And that's what city can do. The best is, is like how we talk about the best athlete is one that has the best pure, um, you know, athletic ability, but also the, 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 um, the attitude and the work ethic. It's the same thing. If, if the best of the best teams are going to be like how city is being operated right now, both with crazy amounts of financial injection, but also kind of playing it smart. Like they they've made pretty good signings. Chelsea's one where they had tons of money, but not exactly smart building plan. Even the current Chelsea looks kind of like that. I don't know exactly where I'm going with this, but what my, the point being is that I can understand being Harry jealous of not having as many bites at the apple, even though he's has had some, um, but that's just the way it works sometimes. Just how like we, uh, even though we all chose Spurs, we knew it wasn't going to be an easy ride. We didn't, we didn't choose the team because, we're going to have constant championships. You have different kinds of glory, quote unquote. Again, maybe that makes us a little small club mentality, but 
during the poach years, it was a lot of fun to follow that team, to have them organically built. And, and you know, you, you have a lot more pride in it that way. And you're not nearly as upset at the end of the season if you don't, if you're not the top, if you're, if you're fourth, if you're third, if you're second, it can feel as good as probably United or City winning first because they bought a bunch of players. And I didn't even mention the opportunities he's had to win trophies with England. So I'll, oh, I'll leave that alone. That? <laughs> um, and that's not to say like Kane's a bottle job. I don't really believe that, but I also feel like if you've tried the same thing enough times, like maybe it's time to try something new. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm talking my, maybe I'm like, coping and and bargaining with myself because i what would you do if you were Kane? what would you actually want you think i know that's like a it's a lot of hypothetical Ugh. Stuff, but i'm curious um so I'm, I'm actually glad you asked me this because the last time we had the conversation about kane i said i really don't think he's going anywhere because i think he's going to prioritize staying in england and getting the premier league record for goals and he's going to want to beat Shearer. And I still think if I were Kane, that would be what I would prioritize more than winning a trophy. His interest in Bayern leads me to believe that that's not the case. And I'm actually pretty surprised by that because I would have assumed going into this summer that he would have absolutely zero interest in leaving England. And if I were him, I would have zero interest in leaving England. And so like, if I were him, I'd probably just play out the year and then see what's available to me next summer. If I don't want to resign with Tottenham, I can go somewhere else in England. If I decide to stay for a couple more years, win the record, and then go to Bayern after I'm washed up, maybe I go do that. But like, I wouldn't leave England if I were him. Um, and I'm actually really shocked that he's even considering it because even if he goes to Bayern, or to PSG for two or three years, there's no guarantee that he's going to have the same form at the age of 32 or 33. If he comes back to England at that age, there's no guarantee that he's going to be able to score 25 goals a year. And then that record is gone because you decided to leave for, for two seasons to win a trophy. And instead of winning like one of the most elite records in European football, like I, I don't know that, that to me is not is not worth it. I would stay and try to win the win the um, win the record. Yeah, I think yeah. he he should he for him stay because then you have the ultimate leverage. You can literally go anywhere you want. You don't have to worry about FIFA financial fair play issues next year leaving on a free if he decides to. Like it's so rare in in um, in soccer for players to have true free agency. Um, not that he's in like entering his prime he's exiting his prime at the at, at this point um but uh he'll he has complete autonom autonomous or, or, or whatever control over his career i think that the best case for him would be to to stay for a free or stay until he can leave on a free yeah i, I agree i was I, i'm kind of surprised that he would want to to to, to go to, to germany unless it is like you're alluding to a one-year deal which I can't see Munich wanted to do that. And even losing one year of what is the tail end of his prime into what most people would say is 
at least a slightly inferior league, is he going to be able to come back and get back up to speed one year further into yeah, his, exactly. from his prime? I, and I, I wonder, though, also, you know how we've had some of these, uh, there's so many stories that come up, and they might even go for a couple weeks, and then they just disappear, or you finally hear what was going on behind the scenes, and it's like, oh, Kane was never interested in Munich at all. That was just Munich playing it up, or whatever. It would. I mean, I, I just wonder... Because we haven't heard anything directly from him. You hear the, a lot of reporters saying he's basically open to all options, potentially going to Munich, potentially staying at Spurs for the year and going wherever in a year, or potentially re-signing the contract after the, the window closes, depending on what he sees from the system. That's basically all we've really heard, right, is, is that he's open to all three options. It sounds like he hasn't really made a decision. I do wonder, I don't know, I'm curious to, to, to see if he was actually offered that if Spurs were to accept a deal I mean, I, I would think if they got to that point, he would have for sure agreed personal terms. But I just, yeah, I have a hard time seeing that that perspective. I don't know. I, I'm with you, Joel. That makes 100% uh, 100% sense to me. That why would you want to leave the league? Leave it, leave it open until next summer. And then if if your only offer was for from like United, you weren't going to go to Chelsea or Arsenal. What's better between going Newcastle, United, or Spurs? Are all kind of a coin flip, at least at this point. I guess yeah. by the time next summer runs around, Newcastle could be, you know, further towards the the city end of financial uh, power. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, you you bring up the point about seeing how the window closes, and I think at the end of the season, we all pretty much agreed that the biggest need was center backs, at least one, but preferably two. To this point. We haven't signed any. Technically, I think we did sign one, but he's like a kind of a younger yeah, player. That's that fell through. Nope, that fell through as well. Oh, apparently all right. they're demanding like ten million or something after they agreed to three million. Yeah, they had agreed to like three yeah. million, and then they decided they want to come back and ask for some add-ons afterwards. So I'm not saying that one is totally dead in the water, but um, I mean, if it's just add-ons, then it's like a stumbling block, we'll say. Yeah, but like he's a player who's only like played eight times in the championship. So like they're Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Okay. It's it's also a very cash strapped club, so I can see why they are one who who is he from to sell him Blackburn Rovers. Okay, Blackburn or Burnley? Blackburn. Blackburn, Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Burnley's definitely not cash strapped. They're back in the Prem this year. Right. I mean, I think looking at the window, I I love the Madison signing, the jury's still out on Guglielmo. We'll see how good he is. Um, same for Manor Solomon. But I think at the end of the day, like it, it really all comes down to us being able to sign center backs. If we don't bring in center backs, then regardless of Madison or anybody else, this, this window is going to be a bust. And it's starting to get a little nervy now with three weeks left before the season begins. The, Transfer window ends, what, end of August? So we've got about a month left, maybe five weeks. And it seems like there were rumors maybe two or three weeks ago. Those rumors seem to have gone dry. There doesn't really seem to be a clear vision of exactly what's happening. And I think the fan base reasonably is starting to panic a little bit. Are we doing the the, the Levy thing where we haggle and haggle all the way to the end of the window and end up signing some cut rate player instead of the player that we actually wanted. And I think especially 
going into a new season with a new coach and a new system and potentially a new starting center forward, depending on what happens with Kane, like it's it's really crucial to get that position right because otherwise it's it's going to feel like we've solved a bunch of other problems. You know, it's almost like you, you have two broken arms and two broken legs. You get the arms fixed. You get one of your legs fixed, but you're still limping on the other one. And it's like, we kind of fixed the problem, but we still can't run. <laughs> we still, you know. I think it's important to note also that like we're 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 at the um, liberty of of the reporting, and um, there are we know only so many reliable reporters in uh, European football to to, the, to 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 reliably be able to hold on to every morsel of, of update that they give. Um, a lot of those good ones are probably also looking to break some of these bigger transfer stories and news when you have major things of Messi and apparently every former other Barcelona player under 45 years old signing at Inter Miami. When you've got this Kane saga, you've got Mbappe, there's some big names still out there. So I don't think that, you know, that necessarily that uh, Daniel Levy and the, the Tottenham uh, <clears throat> brain trusts is, you know, just hasn't sent any emails uh, in the last six weeks, except like, hey, following up on my earlier note, um, just circling back about uh, Tepsoba or whatever his name is. Like, I think there's probably still a lot of things happening. It's just maybe because of the the huge news that's getting reported and some of the larger names that are getting transferred, that's kind of swallowing up some of the the media cycle. And maybe some of these things are happening that people just, you know, aren't asking a, a bunch about or aren't digging in, in into as much. That's the optimistic view because this is the, the optimistic corner of the pot. Um, but uh, yeah, it does feel a little bit frustrating that we went from, you know, quick signings, getting guys locked in, having our good, oh, cool, the price is too high for, uh, I don't remember his name anymore, from David Brentford. Raya. Raya, the price too high for Raya? Cool, well, let's go get Vicario. Um, you know, so like it's, it, we, we did, we're, we're moving quickly, uh, you know, like that earlier. And now it's moving slower, but it's again, it's I think it's the appearance of of things moving slower. Things may not actually be moving much slower because these still these these deals are still pretty complex, but it may just be being underreported at the at the moment for one reason or another. At what point do you start to panic, though? August eleventh. All right. Alex, wait, what time on August 11th? Uh, what 10 a.m. Central? I'm assuming. I don't know. I yeah. haven't looked. I haven't looked into detail that much. My wife's birthday that weekend is the is the bigger priority of the of the weekend. Besides the, I don't even know who we're playing week one. Um, we're playing. Brentford. We're playing Brentford. Oh yeah, yeah we're yeah, playing David Raya. David Raya. Yeah. So um, I think that I think you're right though that overall it's because we were getting. Um, we were getting the deals done quickly and apparently pretty efficiently for the first couple of weeks there where we got um, we, we, we didn't get our number one keeper. and We moved on immediately, got a, our second choice, apparently uh, signed Madison really quickly. And it seemed like a bargain for you would think a player that a lot of people would want. And then um, same thing with uh, with Solomon Manor um, or Manor Solomon. Pardon. Um, but um, the the fact that then yes things start to come to a crawl and it feels like Levy's doing his classic thing where he's just trying to low ball save a few million 
pounds to, uh, you know, and delaying everything. That's what it feels like to us. Again, we don't know what the reporting is. I think it must have been, though, that the first three signings were just kind of opportunistic signings. I can't I can't think of why else we would be having such such trouble with these if if it seemed potentially like Levy was going to come to his senses and just pay the, the extra little bit and, and quite, you know, not drive, worry about driving such a hard bargain. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case. It, it must be that they didn't think they had other, I, I just, I can't see why teams would have been like, Oh, okay, we'll, we'll, low, we'll give you these low ball deals right away. And then now they're playing hardball. Um, so I really do think they must've been for one reason or another opportunistic signings and that Levy is still doing his thing. Hopefully if we use more of like the data analytics to target these players, we'll have better options and some of them will come to fruition. But I definitely feel the, I feel the frustration of, man, why are these things getting dragged out at this point? Cause it was two weeks ago that we were talking about these two defenders as in one of them seems imminent, if not potentially both. And it, that's, that was the narrative two weeks ago. And now it's, there's been very little update on any front since then. So I don't know. I get it. I mean, I swear if we close this window without getting some new center backs, I'm going to be livid. There's no way that'd be um, crazy. Or you if we, you know, starting if, if all we, if all we do is, br- is bring back Clement Longley, that's not going to be good enough for me. Speaking of Dav, there are some rumors that he's uh, apparently received a bid from sports, Spartak Moscow, apparently. Yeah, isn't this at the sanctions gonna? I, I don't know how this works with outgoing players, but I mean, I don't know if 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 he ends up going away, Kim, do you think that that provides us with more optimism that we maybe we'll be bringing somebody in to replace him? I mean, I think the I still have optimism that we will sign a center back. I I don't think we're just going to go back to, I just feel like Levy does not have enough good press right now amongst the fans to not sign at least one of those guys. And if he doesn't, maybe he just doesn't care what the fans think, but I just don't think he has enough goodwill to not sign a center back knowing how bad our defense was last year and knowing that, the guys that we have played in the back three and we're now in the back two, like it, in my opinion, he's going to sign one of them uh, until other, uh, until I see otherwise, I just assume we're going to get one, at least one left-sided center back. I think that is a need. It's something that we have to get. And if we don't, this will be a total bust of a window. Like no matter who we got, if we, if we can't not let in goals, if, if those guys can't play, like it's going to, it's going to be very annoying. I'll just say that. Um, but I just really think like we have to like there has to be something that we get there. Um, I think we need two. <laughs> I mean, I I think we do need two as well. But I am I mean, right now we're we're we we don't have one. And I right. and I do think like like the original question was, do you think moving on guys will mean that we will get guys? I think the plan was to move Dev on no matter what like. Our article I read today, he wasn't even featured in like the the match day squads. So like I think they already knew that like he was a guy that was on the way out. I also heard that um what's his name? Rodon, similar, similar position, hasn't been featured in any of the match day squads. Dav was in the first one, not in the second. Um, and so like I think there's like Dyer's probably gonna stick around. Um, from what I understand. 
Pastacaglu likes Davies as a player, so he'll stick around. But other than that, like, and I heard Tanganga's, he's kind of the guy that's like, he needs to probably go somewhere for his own development because I just don't see him developing. And now that we're only playing two center backs, I just don't see him playing at all. So he's a guy that also needs to move on. Mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of stuff was going to happen anyways and should happen anyways. That like, mm-hmm. I, I just don't see the the logic of us not signing a center back. Like, Maybe it's a it, locker room situation. They're all the guys back from loan, there's just not enough cubbies. Hitman's overwhelmed with there's not enough numbers to give out. They're just like, we gotta get Winks I mean, out, Madison the in. Squad is... We gotta get more people out. There's just not enough room in the uh in the facility at the moment. Gonna end up like Chelsea yeah. with guys getting dressed in the hallway. The, the squad is very bloated. I think we're we're up to like uh I think we have over like 30 over 35 like first team senior players, not even anybody from the youth squad, like 30, I think it's 37 actually is a number of first team senior players. And so like you can't match day squads or you you got 25 players in in like your, your team that you can register. I think it's 25. So there's a lot that has to happen. (laughs) Um, And hopefully when they get back from, I think they, they come back like later this week. So hopefully when they get back, maybe some of that stuff will start to filter out where we'll start to see guys, you know, leave the squad, but like, yeah, I just I just can't see us not not signing at least one high level center back. Um because it, it's just gonna be too important to the squad, man. And if that's the case, well, the that, yeah, opening day will be sucky. Well, the fact that uh we had our preseason match, one of only three that we have get you know postponed or canceled the other day just means that's less time that Ange has had to kind of at least see these players and more closer to full speed action to, yeah. to figure out who, who he needs to, to whittle down from the squad. Another thing that I'm a little worried about, and I'm sure plenty of people are going back to the Kane thing combined with this is if we do end up selling Kane, are we going to have enough money to recoup anything in that position, you know, a forward? We're already talking about trying to have players out and in, in for defenders and, and midfielders, but if we, have, if we have to deal with that with Kane, it just seems like so much business. Do we even have a large enough front office to deal? Like Jesse's joking about the training staff with the, uh, you know, the, the the kit man. But how about just the dudes that have to negotiate these deals? Do we have enough manpower up there to have this many plates in the air? It is definitely a little concerning. But I mean, I, I, from what I understand, there's, there's like there's like three or four, like what? Um, it's. What's that guy's name again? Lord. Ratichi? Yes. <laughs> He's set up like a team of people. So there's supposed to be like four or five people that are How on the scouting team for this right and the that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But I, I don't think it's the fact that we don't have enough people to do these deals or whatever. I just think it's probably some haggling, honestly. And it might be that People have heard we might sell Kane, so they're sort of bumping up the price because they're going to get more money than they thought we had before. So it just might be some of that where we've agreed on a on a number, and then like you said, like with that Blackburn thing, they're like, "Well, you know, what we could do is add this here and add this there." And so you never really know where things break down. You don't know if it's on us. You don't know if it's on the other club. But I think we always think, or fans always think it's their club that's the problem. And especially us, like, 
we always think it's Daniel Levy like that. He he has not he doesn't have like I say, he doesn't have enough goodwill for us not to think that like no matter whatever happens, it's never going to be, oh, Wolfsburg is being an asshole. It's going to be Daniel Levy sucks. And so until he consistently signs players like if he gets two center backs in, then he can start to build up that goodwill again about how we feel about him. Um, but again, if he doesn't sign them, then we're on this same merry-go-round of not giving the manager what they need, not even what they want, what they need. And I think we're at the point where we need to fill, like we're not at a place with this club where we can buy players for next year or buy players that we can develop. Like these guys have to play and we're going to hope they play well. And that's the, to me, that's the main problem with the club and where we are now is that future planning is, it like goes out the window. It's, it's, um, and I hope like with, with Pasacoglu, like that's the thing that changes is we're now future proofing. We get back to future proofing. We get back to having people waiting in the wings maybe putting that, them out on loan, actually having them come back and play. Like we have to start to develop a cohesive squad and a way of doing things again. And I feel like if he doesn't sign those center backs, we're, we're sort of in that same merry-go-round of not really getting what the squad needs. And again, like I say, not just what the manager wants, but we, like you say, everyone identified center backs as a main need. And if we don't get them, then man, honestly, fuck them. Daniel Levy. <laughs> I mean, you, you do make a good point about the Kane saga and that potentially playing a role in all of this. And Pasakoglu <clears throat> alluded to the fact that like, you know, it is something that was obviously already in the air before he signed. He knew that this was going to be something that he was going to have to take on as the new coach. And this is something that obviously all parties want to get resolved as quickly as possible. And I do wonder how much of our bargaining power is being kind of strapped by the fact that the Kane situation still isn't resolved. And if he's already made clear to the club that he isn't going to resign, at least not anytime soon, then it is kind of handcuffing us to a certain extent to the point like, do we have to just sell him just so that we can move on? And I'm not saying that we take less money than he's worth, but if an offer comes in that's that's worthwhile, like, is it a situation where it's like, we need to just get this done so that we can get the rest of our business done. I do wonder how much it is playing a role in our ability to, to get other things done. If player, if other clubs are looking at us and saying like, eh, we, we don't want to be the one that jumps and gives you the deal two weeks before Kane goes out the door. And then, you know, we we're short on an extra 10, 10 million or, you know, whatever the case may be. So that, that I think is is another concerning part about about all of this is like how much that may be contributing to our inability to to get the rest of our deals done as quickly as we got the Madison one finished. So we've got another preseason game. Hopefully, this one will actually be played on Wednesday against some club called the Lions City Sailors. I don't know who they are. Yeah, it was supposed to be Roma, but Roma pulled out. So it's just like a local um, Singapore, Singaporean, I guess, um, club. And then what happens after that? Then we come back home. 
we've got friendlies against Shakhtar Donetsk. And then we go to Spain to play Barcelona before our season opener against Brentford. August 13. It's getting close. Um, close. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Kane drama saga. Hopefully we have more clarity within the next three weeks. Anything else before we close out? I haven't seen a kit that I'm looking at buying yet this year. I haven't seen the third one. Uh, or the third one doesn't look that hot. It's like gray or beige. I don't. I think I'm taking a year off from kits. Yeah, I mean, there's no patches to add this year anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe well, just wait. In the Premier League now. <laughs> Get a championship patch. Yeah, oh, hopefully not. Come on, you Stop Spurs. It. <laughs> there it is.